department and staff of WTCA. It's the What's Your Opinion show, our daily talk show focusing on you, the people, events, and issues of Marshall County. Now here's your hosts, Kathy Bardorf and Rusty Nixon. Wait a minute. We have, we're under obligation. We have a contract with this guy. Woohoo! Okay, there you oh. go. Okay. All right. Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Woohoo! I'm not quite that excited. Well, you know. It's Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not really nice out there. Yeah, well. <sighs> it is about 36 degrees. It is cloudy. It is wet. Um, and it could get a little nasty. It just depends, you know, how things are going to play out here with the temperature and the moisture. Uh, I mean, I did hear sleet, Mm -hmm. and sleet kind of sometimes can lead to, like, freezing rain, and and that's freezing on the trees and on your vehicles, and what a mess. So, let's hope that doesn't happen, but uh, let's see how things go. Yeah, We are are in February 16th, so we could anticipate some snow today. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Definitely. All right. All right. Um, you can anticipate snow. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. Not going to. Um, I do want to open the show this morning by saying um, that my former mother-in-law, Sue Winkle, uh, was Marshall County recorder for eight years here. Um, passed away on Tuesday morning. And... Uh, so I just want to say my condolences to her family, which my kids are part of that family. I, I Unfortunately, uh, they're going to have a visitation on Sunday over at Deaton's uh, in Bourbon. Uh, but unfortunately for me, both uh, Dan and Katie and their family, well, Dan and Crystal and their family is coming up. Katie and Dave are coming up, the rest of the family. That's... We'd need a bus to bring them yeah. all up Yeah. with what I have. Uh, five grandchildren down there, six great-grandchildren, yeah. and Katie and Dave. Oh, and then there's at least a, one permanent, you know, uh, boyfriend. A little bit more than a boyfriend. Okay. Daddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. there. There's a, one daddy that's not permanent there. <laughs> okay. It's not permanent. That's and then we have a longtime boyfriend that's down there. So, well, yeah. good, yeah. And, okay, that's so. getting way too good. This sounds like a reality show. <laughs> it uh, could be a crazy yeah, one, let me yeah, tell you. it does. And obviously, David is still in wrestling in college. And yeah. So next weekend, they go to the regional tournament, which is in North Carolina. So I am sure he is practicing gearing up oh, for that. Sure. Because yeah. then into March, um, if you make it through regionals, then you go directly to nationals, uh, which are held in Iowa. And I talked to Katie yesterday. Katie and Dave have bought their tickets, their airline tickets for Iowa. Um, they got the last two seats on the plane uh, uh, from where they live right. uh, to go out that direction. And so um, it's like, yeah, he's he has to stay at school and practice. I mean, there's right. other is to it. But at least I'll get a, get to see, you know, a portion of my kids. And I don't, honestly, I don't. It's been a long time 
since the whole family has been together. We, we almost need to do just a family weekend, but now it will have to be down between North Carolina and South Carolina somewhere because it would yeah. just be me and Jim and Austin and Brooke, the four of us, to go down. And Well, and Ezra and his, his fiancée are here, too, in Plymouth. So the six of us to go down there and meet up with all of them would be smarter than for all of them to come up to home. Right. So... Yeah, maybe that's something we should look at this summer. Yeah. A, a big, you know, a day on the beach or something. Yeah. With everybody. Get yourself a party bus. And, uh, yeah, know, there you go. But we better set. we better get a driver too for that well, party bus. Yeah, because... Of course. <laughs> that's part of the party bus. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So anyway, um, I don't have uh, all the details on um, Sue Winkle yet. I did get a message from. Terry over at the funeral home this morning because I asked. I said, I got kids coming in from North Carolina, South Carolina. I need to know like a schedule a little bit so I can figure out what to do yeah. well, when they're here. So um, he did tell me he, he, um, there was going to be no funeral. There's just going to be a visitation. Um, he thought it was going to be two to four on Sunday at the funeral home, but I'm still waiting to get my right. post that I can actually use on the website and we'll use on the news. Or in the morning, tomorrow morning will be the only time we'll get to use it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, other than that, it's Rusty and I today, folks. So we really, really would like to hear from you. Woohoo! <laughs> no, that's not. You got to get a. Uh, uh, well, I've got this. Yeah. Go! And, well, hang on. Hang on. Yeah. That's that's better. I, it's I Rusty and one. I today. Yeah. Well. No, I. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Thanks. <laughs> well, I don't have a lot of faith, but. <laughs> Come on. But there's news to talk about. We can handle this. <laughs> yes, we can <sighs> definitely. And actually, you have you have a signing to go to today. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Good thing I, I reminded you, right? Yeah. Well, I remembered. I just not. I. No, I guess I didn't remember. But. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. No, Matt uh, Manzik is, uh, I think he's going to Wabash, uh, but he'll make that official here uh, later on this morning. Okay. Play baseball. I better check. Yes, I did put it down. I put my ringer to go off at 1025. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so we may be, depending on how the conversation goes, we may be ending early today, or Rusty may leave and I may finish up and have to do his job too today. There you Who knows? go. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, change of pace. Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, I did go to the special school board meeting last night. But before we jump into that, I didn't do a story last night because it was just like, whoa, in my head. Um, but I will work on that today. I do have the maps. So I will get those posted up on the website so people who didn't get to the meeting will be able to see the maps and see what the proposals are. Um, there, it is interesting. And um, it, believe it or not, it comes because, here I'm talking about it already, it comes because um, population at Washington Discovery Academy is declining. Oh. And so that's why they want that's one of the reasons there's right. several reasons yeah. and we'll get into those but in the meantime well let's uh 
do a little bit of news. Okay. How's that? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. The first story I have comes from the Plymouth Police Department. On Tuesday afternoon, about 1230, Detective McIntyre with the Plymouth Police Department arrested a Plymouth man for sexual misconduct with a minor. A 20-year-old Jonathan Rodriguez, who lives on Angel Street here in Plymouth, was transported out to the Marshall County Jail and held on a $1,500 cash bond. I have to tell you, I had to call out yesterday to get his cash bond because it did not tell tell me on the booking sheet. Sometimes it does have them and sometimes it doesn't. So right. this one I thought, yeah, sexual misconduct with a minor. I wanted to see what his bond was. So his bond was $1,500. And I, I told, well, first off, when I called, she goes, uh, he's not here. And I said, well, he was arrested on Tuesday for sexual misconduct with a minor. And she goes, oh, I remember this one now. She goes, hold on. And she typed it in. He goes, yeah, he's not here anymore. I said, oh, so obviously he bonded out. So what was his bond? And she told me $1,500. And yeah, he went, they picked him up at 1230. And at 3.30 that afternoon, he was released on bond. Now, I mean, obviously this case is going to continue on. He's right. going to end up in the court system. But um, I was kind of surprised. So, well. and, and that is why I personally choose to dis not just give him a Plymouth man, but actually say he lives on Angel Street. Okay. Because I feel that neighbors in, in that area need to know. Um, I would want to know myself if there was something in my neighborhood that I needed to be aware of. And so I think it's just good to put that out. Yeah. But that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. So, all right. Uh, next up, another arrest. Plymouth police officers were dispatched to the 200 block of West Jefferson Street. This happened early Sunday morning. There was a verbal domestic dispute between a male and a female. Um, the person who called that in actually, when they called in central dispatch, said that one of them left in a dark colored Honda passenger car. The other one left in a Ford truck. Well, Officer Enyart from the Plymouth Police Department was on patrol. Uh, he was able to locate both of those vehicles. They were northbound on Michigan Street and he caught up to him about Plymouth Goshen Trail. And while he was there seeing them, uh, he saw that passenger veal uh, following too closely behind that pickup truck. So, you know, we've been in a heated discussion and, you know, somebody takes off. So you get in the car and you know how you know how you you do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're right up on their bumper or whatever. Um, and then also said that the. Uh, that car was making unsafe lane movements. So he did a traffic stop at Michigan Street and the airport road out there. On the car, 22-year-old Raina Whitfield of Rochester uh, was driving that vehicle. She had, uh, she was obviously been drinking. So they did a test and she was more than twice the legal limit. So she was arrested and lodged in the Marshall County Jail for operating while intoxicated, endangering and operating while intoxicated with a blood alcohol content of 0.15 or more. She was held on a $1,500 cash bond. This happened, I gotta go back to the top, Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, and she was released early Tuesday morning, about 12.30 Tuesday morning, with no judicial review. 
So what that means is the officer who arrested her did not get his probable cause uh, taken care of within the 48 hours. They can hold you for 48 hours, and then they have to have charges on you. Well, he didn't get his paperwork done, so she was released without having to pay a bond. But she's not done. I mean, this, too, right, yeah. will be another one of those things that, and if they, you know, they'll, if they can't catch her or, or she doesn't show up, then they'll go out, you know, and rearrest her again, and then she'll have more charges. So that's what it is. Um, he just didn't get the paperwork all that taken care of, and so she gets out after 48 hours, which for a lot of people is probably enough time to spend in the Marshall County Jail yeah, I, that you would not want to go back again. No, no probably, probably. <laughs> I would hope. Um, also, during Monday's Board of Public Works and Safety meeting, um, this was kind of kind of nice. Um, the Plymouth Fire Department swore in five new officers. Um, and this is really great because Mayor Mark actually commented that it's first time in a long time the fire department is at full staff. Oh, well, good. So every, you know, all of our positions are full. Um, so... You know, uh, the fire chief came up, introduced each one. Uh, they stood in front. Then their family members or a loved one or a, a, whoever, they they invite somebody to come. And there's a like a little badge pinning ceremony and they pin their badges on them. Um, and so they do that. Um, and so our new members are civilian EMT Travis McVicker, civilian paramedic Austin Bragg, Firefighter EMT Keegan Holland, firefighter paramedic Sydney Rhoda, and firefighter paramedic Chris Todd. So we are at full staff, which is going to be wonderful. And actually at full staff now for us is having five on duty. Used to be you had two firefighters and two paramedics on duty together. And we now have five on duty. That that fifth person is, uh, I think, can be an EMT uh, versus a paramedic, um, and, but has the ability to drive a fire truck if necessary, can drive an ambulance. You know, I mean, they're they're all well trained, but it, it gives you that extra body. Uh, and especially if somebody's on vacation, it, you know, you don't drop down to only three on staff. Right. You still have four on staff. So. It, it was a nice, it was a nice little ceremony, a nice sure. little presentation. Uh, great to see all of those people there together. That that, you know, and I have to tell you, the room was overflowing because uh, their families come to oh, watch yeah. the ceremony. Yeah. They actually take an like an oath. I won't say it's an oath of office, but they take an oath. Um, and there were quite a few members from the fire department who actually came to just to be supportive oh, sure. of that so yeah. it, it's like it is one big fat family down there is what it really comes down to oh, good so um also did a story from the marshall county council meeting that was held on february 10th that was a week ago today during the uh input session which is the first thing on the agenda there's kind of like a any public comment session that right. they open it up to and during that part um the chancellor from Marion University's Ancilla College came before uh, and wanted to talk a little bit about the Ready Grant. Now, you guys will remember back last summer, um, the they had applied with 
Marshall County for a ready grant um, and actually it was to assist in um, their nursing program which you can now get a degreed nursing program through Ancilla and so what they were uh, doing with that grant was they were going to create a simulation and skills lab out at the college to help the nursing program well they didn't get an award in that first round although they didn't get an award because um, the committee decided to eliminate colleges and universities from consideration so it wasn't because of the project that they put forward for the grant it was because they pulled all the college and universities out no. on that first round so but they did tell them they would like them to submit in the second round um, so, but they also wanted them to submit a joint proposals. So they, they're, they're looking at that collaboration and yeah. that's a big thing. Yeah. So, uh, the college went back, worked on a new proposal that had collaboration in it and, um, they, their proposal has been successful. So now they are back to that portion where ready gives you 20%. Then you need a 20% public match, and then you get that 60% private match, which we talked about with Allie yesterday on the show. Right. So um, they initially, in that first round last summer, had come in and asked the county for $180,000 using the ready funds um, as the match money from the county to help on that program and the county commissioners and the county council were agreeable to that back then so times have changed and uh, the project has changed that they are proposing and, and believe it or not it's changed drastically uh, because the adjustment uh, of the request is 95 percent down from what they asked for initially they asked for a hundred and eighty thousand dollars they came before the county council last week and asked for $10,000. Um, and, um, you know, initially, last year was going to come out of the uh, American Rescue Plan funds. Um, so the council uh, voted unanimously to support the request. Uh, now they'll have to do the additional appropriation thing during that. Um, and because the matching funds are are much less than required you know the council can decide if they want to bring it out of another funding source or if they want to use the ARPA funds for that so when they get to making that additional appropriation then then they'll make the determination of where they actually want to bring those funds from but you know ten thousand dollars is way different oh yeah than a hundred and eighty thousand dollars just a smidge yeah definitely yeah um, also from Marion University, they announced a new dean of students for Ancilla College. Jean Wolf is going to be the dean at the college. Uh, in her role, uh, she collaborates with the An Ancilla's chancellor, uh, also with the leadership team, uh, as a, the primary advisor for all members uh, about, you know, student life, campus vibrancy um, student welfare and student services so she's really there to kind of make sure that everything is good for the for the kids that are out there going to college um, so 
it's a good thing. Um, I don't know how many students are out there right now, but uh, she she's been involved in uh, higher education for quite a while. In fact, twenty six years. So um, she's been at Ancilla College. She's been at Grace College and at Davenport University. So I mean, she's got some experience under her belt. Um, also coming up. Uh, Got, really, this is uh, just a little photo op that came, but uh, Senator or Representative Jordan uh, last week welcomed, or earlier this month, welcomed some 4-Hers from Marshall County down to the State House. Uh, and so uh, they, they actually have down at the Capitol building a, a 4-H day. And so they invite 4-Hers from all over. So um, let's see. We had Alexander Benfit, Marissa Langfeld, Morgan Langfeld, and Brooke Kitch uh, were all there to spend time and find out more about our, our Indiana government and how it works and operates. And, you know, 4-H is really a very important yeah. uh, organization that it's not just about farming anymore. I mean, there there's a lot of um, leadership skills that you can also learn through 4-H. And 4-H is open to kids from kindergarten through 12th grade. So um, if you want more information, contact Purdue Extension here, um, and they can get you involved in 4-H. And it is reasonable to be involved in 4-H, too. Oh, sure. It is not, uh, you know, you're not you're not breaking the bank to get involved. Now, the higher up you go, and the more programs and projects you do. I mean, if you get a, a cow, you're going to spend some money. You got to buy a cow, and you got to feed it and vet it, and all of that kind. Of, but if you're making a model rocket, you know, yes, you're going to go to some classes and, and group meetings about it, and then you're going to go buy a kit, which a kit probably costs. Anywhere from, I'd say, 15 to $50. Um, so it doesn't have to be super expensive. So, yeah, 4-H is a good thing. Austin was Absolutely. in 4-H. My other kids weren't in 4-H. They were involved in sports. But Austin did ceramics and Christmas decorations and drawing. And then he did shooting sports, too. So there's uh, I know my uh, my kids did photography. Oh, Austin did photography, um, too. Yes. Not sure what else. Um, yeah, I, I, and it's not, it's not just for country kids either. No, I mean, it's for, we were city kids, yeah, so, so, yeah. And I, you know, And it means else. really city kids. You can even oh, yeah. do, like, you know, they have dog, cats, yeah. I, I mean, there's cooking, sure. baking, I mean, there's all kinds of things. You learn to do some stuff. Yeah, you sure do. Uh, let's see. The Marshall County Museum, we talked about this when the girls were in last week. They have been hosting prehistoric Marshall County. And Bill Snyder has been the guest speaker there. Uh, they are coming up. They've had three sessions on Saturday mornings. Their fourth session comes up this Saturday morning. It's the last one um, at the museum. And then following that... Uh, they are going to have the movie at the theater at the Reese, um, Ice Age. So it kind of goes with the prehistoric oh, stuff and everything. Yeah. Uh, there will be a limited number of tickets offered to the public at 2 o'clock. Um, 
Um, and then they're also going to show the show again at 7 o'clock. So two showings on Saturday of Ice Age. Uh, so if you are interested, come on down. Remember, kids 12 and under always get in free. And adult admission is only $5. And you can buy your tickets online at reesetheater.com. You can also buy them at the... What do you call it? Ticket window. Ticket booth. 30 minutes before the show. Okay. Oh, I did do this story. And I actually, I want to get a hold of the chief. I, I did this story primarily because I thought we had fire departments and firefighters in Marshall County that may be interested in it. The Indiana Department of Environmental Management announced that earlier this week the collection of more than 30,000 gallons of pre and polyfluoric, I don't know how to say it, firefighting foam from Indiana Fire Departments. Since April of 2022, this free program, it's provided through IDEM, um, gives fire departments a way to safely dispose of foam that more than 220 fire, fire, fire departments have across the state of Indiana. So uh, they're, they're not, it's my understanding they're not using it anymore. It is, it's dangerous stuff. Uh, it's, not, it's not good to be using anymore, but there's lots of it around. And so it is a big process actually to get rid of it. I mean, you know, they take great care in getting rid of it but uh, this foam has been linked to four of the top eight leading causes of cancer in firefighters so that's why they're not using right. it anymore and so I just thought and I wanted to get a hold of the chief here I, I believe that we've already gotten rid of ours uh, that we would have had at the Plymouth Fire Department uh, but and maybe we have a firefighter listening this morning Greg uh, that might know. We'll see. So anyway, he, he I just doesn't know anything. Why? <laughs> doesn't know I, I thought it was. I thought it was. You know, I thought it was a safety issue. I just wanted to make sure that you know everybody knows that there's a, a safe way to get rid of this stuff, and that. And I, I would hope that most of our departments have already done that in the northern part of the state. But um, and then I also received a press release from the CEO of Woodlawn Hospital down at Rochester. Uh, he testified uh, to the Indiana Senate Health Committee. Um, basically, he is fighting not only for rural health, and we, we have heard a lot about rural health lately, um, and we have seen it in our own community, but for Woodlawn Hospital as well. Um, and he talked, and he, I'm going to read his quote. There is a looming crisis that is going unnoticed. Woodlawn's operational loss for 2021 was $750,000. But the financial headwinds for us and other hospitals picked up speed last year, leaving us with an estimated loss for 2022 of $6.3 our goal for 2023 is to lose just 1.5 million, even after our implementation of more than 3 million in cost reductions, he told the Senate Hearing Committee. So I, and I know that that is happening 
a, a lot of places, not just here in the northern part of the state, not just in Indiana. Um, it is it is for lots of areas happening. Um, and so, you know, we went through COVID and hospitals stepped up to the plate. Hospital workers stepped up to the plate. Um, and then, you know, then then things after COVID, things kind of went crazy. Um, and, 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 you know, a lot of hospital workers said, I'm done with that. I don't want to do that anymore. And there, the vaccine mandate came down. That did not help one bit. Um, so, uh, although he did talk, there is, the state has a, um, a hospital assessment fee. And so they have to pay a fee, not just like paying for doctors and nurses and cooks and cleaning rooms and bandages and all of that kind of stuff, but they actually have to pay as the state. Uh, Indiana hospitals will pay a total of $1.5 billion in 2023 to the hospital assessment fee. Uh, to fund programs, and Woodlawn's pro portion is growing, rising from over two million in 2020 to 3.2 million this year. That is outrageous, if you ask me. Um, so, uh, it, I have a lot of trouble feeling sorry for anything in healthcare when it comes to money. I, I just do. And, of course, then they also fight with Medicare and Medicaid. Those patients come to the hospital many times because they're on Medicare or right. Medicaid. Instead of calling a loved one to drive them, they get an ambulance, they take them to the hospital, they're really not that sick. Or, or they have Medicare or Medicaid. And instead of calling up their regular doctor, which most of them don't have, or a lot of them don't have, I'll just go to the ER. And see what's the matter with me right and so that raises their costs and Medicaid and Medicare rates don't pay what the hospital says the bill is basically you know there's kind of like an this an agreement and so they get a reduction in what the cost is uh, for those services and, and they end up paying for a lot of services that really could have been taken care of in a normal doctor's office uh, so it is it's just not good especially in the rural part uh, of the US so um, I thought it was interesting that he stepped up to the plate and and talked about you know how what their hospital is facing and I, I mean we've seen it here with our own st. Joe hospital we no yeah. longer have an intensive care unit we had an intensive care unit the day the place opened. You know, yeah. it's like, it's very sad. Yeah. So, um, you know, and and when you don't have that and you need those kind of services, then you're shipped up north. Yeah. And there is nothing the matter with the hospital up north. I've been there. Yeah. But when your loved one is up north and you live here, visitation and being there and, and wanting to hear, you know, uh, my dad was there after he had a heart attack. You know, I need to be able to hear what the doctor's saying. I can't rely on my 90-year-old dad 
who has hearing issues anyway would be able to tell me what the doctor said or remember what the doctor said right. when I got up there in the afternoon to visit him. So I need to be there. Well, you know, there's not necessarily, oh, the doctor will be here at 10. Uh, you know, it's like, well, the doctor usually comes in between 8 and 10 or something like that. So it makes it difficult on families where at Plymouth, it is like, okay, it's right here. It's much closer. I don't have to drive an hour north. You know, and then wait until that happens, yeah. and then have to drive an hour back. So, um, I, I hope that somehow, and it's not as you see, it's not just St. Joe. Woodlawn is struggling too. It's hospitals across the state, and I think across the nation, that are, you know. Well, somebody was problems. somebody was wrong during the uh, pandemic. Then I guess, huh? Because weren't they weren't hospitals making money hand over fist by faking COVID deaths and just oh yeah just that's what they said they were getting up. all of this money okay, so somebody's yeah, right. somebody's wrong there either the person who said they're getting money hand over fist or the hospital's lying to us hmm. one or the other so hmm. I I don't know I'm just just saying I think it's kind of funny that, that is supposedly they were becoming more. Billion upon billionaires. I, so. I, you know, Rusty, I hadn't thought about that, but you, know, that, you are right. So one, one of those things something is, didn't something hasn't panned out right. One Although of these things is not like hospitals the other. did have to pay a lot more money because there was a lot of nurses and that kind of those kind of, that had to work overtime, right? Because nurses and doctors and cleaners would get sick with COVID. Right. So they were off. So, I mean, we had, I know, nurses and CNAs and that kind of stuff working double shifts. Sure. So then when you're working double shift, and let's just say, you know, we'll say you're a 20, this is on the low end, I know, a $20 an hour job, and now you're working a double shift. Well, when you get to your 40, now you're working, you know, time and a half. So now you're a $30 an hour job. And if you were a $25, you know, I mean, it just adds up. So I'm sure they spent a lot more. And think about COVID. They had to buy lots more protection equipment. Right. All these gowns, masks, gloves, right. respirators, and that kind of stuff. So hospitals spent a lot of extra money that they never had done in the past. So I don't know. That could be part of it, too. I, I'm not sure. But I also know nurses that were laid off during COVID because they weren't doing surgeries. They weren't well, that's basically true. anybody yeah, that right. wasn't in emergency services or respiratory yeah, right was there. pretty much laid off. Hmm. So I, Interesting. I just have a terrible problem having any sympathy at all for the healthcare industry in this country at all in any way. So they paid a billion dollars in some fee to the state. Well, you know, have your shareholders drop a, a couple of quarters in a till and you'll cover it easily and they'll still get their billion dollar profit share. When you're making that much money, I have trouble feeling sorry for you when somebody asks you to pony up some. You know, that's uh, and, the thing. and a drop in the <laughs> yeah. that's that's all, that's skim it off the top money. We don't know how a much a billion dollars. Making. I you know I I have real trouble with with any of the players in that whole healthcare scene. The the insurance people, the hospital people, not doctors, not nurses, right? 
The people in the business end of it. Because basically it's like, very simply, I get interested hearing how this is the greatest health care in the world. No, it's not even close. Basically health care in this country. Drugs too. Yes. Grab every, grab yes. everybody by the ankles and start shaking and see <laughs> how much down. see how yep. much money you can take out of them. You're that right. is exactly what it is. And I, you know, everybody, well, Obamacare, we can't be. Something's <laughs> got to be done. I I don't I don't think that was perfect either, but it was an attempt. Mm-hmm. Nobody else has even attempted anything, and it's got to change. Otherwise, we're going to get to a place where people like you and I, well, it's almost there because I know we struggle. People like you and I are not going to be able to get health care because they're not going to be able to afford it. You know. At all. Forget whether there's a hospital or not. Nobody's going to be able to afford health care. It it was a little bit interesting. Last Friday, I got to hear Senator Bocek. Uh, talked to the county council and the county commissioners and uh, Greg Compton was there and so he he spoke to them a little bit um, and Greg actually uh, spent five years in the United Kingdom and while he was there uh, you know he was able to participate in their medical program right. and the one thing he said that really surprised him uh, you know when he went to the doctor He's like, uh, you know, should I, should we be doing a physical or something? And the doctor says, oh, no, we don't do preventative medicine. Right. So, you know, he said they didn't take my blood pressure or anything like that. They, they, over there, they just dealt with, you came in because your finger hurt. Yeah. You came in because you couldn't go to the bathroom. You came in (laughs) because your stomach hurt. You know, you came in, you fell down and you hurt your ankle. Uh, they they dealt with the issue you had at that time, and they didn't deal with preventative stuff to right. try and keep you from right. having other injuries or illnesses going on. Uh, so uh, that was kind of interesting. I didn't know if it was like that or not. I, I, um, I have, I've always kind of thought socialized medicine sounded really interesting, but then when you hear that, it's like, no. I'm not too sure that's I, the right uh, thing. I've never heard a Canadian complain about his health care. And you've I, been around I, some I, of them, I that's know a for lot sure. Of Canadians. Never heard them say one bad thing about their health care. So, as a matter of fact, I had a couple of friends who were citizens of the United States, but they had the dual citizenship. So they had family back in Canada, and uh, they would go up there to get drugs. Mm. Wow. There was a certain... Uh, yeah, that part... Well, I've heard them go to and Canada and go to Mexico to get drugs. They would go to Canada to get drugs because <laughs> it was cheaper. And the other thing is there are things you can get there that you, you couldn't cannot get here. Get here. Yeah. Um, and so that's... They would plan their doctor visits around going home. So, I don't know. I just... Uh, I'm... Like I said, I, I have trouble feeling sorry for a healthcare industry having to take one of their hundreds of billions and place it down on a cost of doing business. Yeah. It's unfair to make them pay to do business. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Totally unfair. You're right. I so don't much. Know. I don't know. 
All right, Rusty, let's take our first break because I want to come back. Uh, and even though I haven't done my story, I definitely do want to talk about the uh, special school board meeting that was held last night. This is kind of a... Okay. Yeah, a mistake. Uh, ben, we're going to give away some Elk Slodge. Of course. Um, it is Thursday and yeah. Friday. The Elks is open to the public. You can come out and have a great dinner uh, at the Elks Lodge. They serve to the public from 5 until 8 p.m. Uh, they have several dinner options for you to choose to. They're $13.95. They include your choice of potato, a salad bar, and actually always a little piece of dessert. So a piece of cake or a brownie or something like that. So what's serving up on the menu this Friday? Well, Kathy, I'm glad you asked that. We have uh, <laughs> fish, all you can eat, uh, creamed chicken. Excuse me. Uh-huh. And shrimp and fish and hamburger steak. So there you go. Okay. You want carry out 935-5511. And we have a uh, freebie. You can use it on any one of those this week. Yes, you can. Uh, Although it is dine in. Yes, it is. You have to so use this dine They want in. you to sit there and enjoy it. It is a smoke-free environment. It is very clean, very nice in there. They've well, got lots remodeled. of tables. Yes. Not that long ago. It's probably been a year, at least. I haven't been in there. <laughs> I've been so it's in COVID? There, what? I've been in there once since they remodeled, just because I have not had a Friday free for uh, that long. Uh. So, uh, where are we at? Oh, rolling dice. Uh, the satanic dice say, caller number 4, 574-936-4096. Elks Lodge Food on the line. Go. Cash in when you sign up for Surf Internet during their online-only President's Day sale, February 16th through the 20th. Get fiber-fast internet plus free installation. And for a limited time, you'll get up to a $100 Visa reward card with qualified speed packages. This deal is only available through the 20th when you sign up at surfinternet.com. Go online now to claim your reward. This is a limited-time offer available only on 500 meg and 1 gig. Reward card value based on speed package selected. Some restrictions apply. Cash in when you sign up for Surf Internet during their online-only President's Day sale, February 16th through the 20th. Get fiber-fast internet plus free installation. And for a limited time, you'll get up to a $100 Visa reward card with qualified speed packages. This deal is only available through the 20th when you sign up at surfinternet.com. Go online now to claim your reward. This is a limited-time offer available only on 500 meg and 1 gig. Reward card value based on speed package selected. Some restrictions apply. John Oliver here with three very good reasons to have your vehicle serviced at Oliver Ford Lincoln in Plymouth. First, regardless of make or model, we can repair or maintain your vehicle to factory specs using quality manufacturer's replacement parts. Second, Oliver Ford's factory trained technicians have years of experience, so they don't have to spend a lot of time or your money guessing what's wrong. Number three, we just make it so darn easy to do business with Oliver Ford. Oliver Ford Lincoln, we tip 
Montgomery Well Drilling Incorporated has proudly served the Plymouth area for more than 40 years. Owners Kelvin and Tim have a highly trained team dedicated to the highest levels of customer service and workmanship. With expertise in rotary well drilling, submersible and jet pump repair and installation, they also offer 24-hour emergency service. So for all your well needs, call Montgomery Well Drilling Incorporated, 936-6239, where 100% satisfaction is a must. cell phone out dial 574-936-4096 or text 574-307-6647 and be part of the show now let's get back to what's your opinion on wtca in plymouth indiana uh-huh. it's the chocolate song chocolate sounds good right now i forgot to bring my banana this morning so chocolate chocolate dip banana there you go. Congratulations to Deb. She's our oh, winner. Right. Um, I also, I did happen to, I'm playing around on Facebook a little bit. I did come a lot, uh, across the Elks Lodge on Facebook. Also on Friday night, they're having a couple of baskets. The baskets are eleven ninety five. Um, and this Friday night, they're having a fish basket. That's usually what I get. You get two big pieces of fish. Uh, you get a, you get your choice of a pea salad. Typically, pea salad, pasta salad, or toss salad, um, and then a potato. So, and you get the dessert too. So basically, all you don't get is just quite so much off the salad bar. And those are only eleven ninety five. Or if you're watching your weight, you can just go to the salad bar for seven ninety five. So, there you have it from the Plymouth Elks Lodge. All right. Okay. Yeah. So rusty. Yeah. Last night, the Plymouth Community School Board conducted a special meeting at Lincoln Junior High. Actually, first time I have been in the brand new Junior High. And when I pulled up, I thought I knew exactly where I was going. I thought I was going in those doors that were there, I'll say that face the old Junior High now. I'm not sure what direction that would be. Uh, It'll be west, on the west side. Yeah. But in reality, I kind of pulled in and there were some cars in the south parking lot. I was like, oh, so I pulled over there. Very nice um, because I, I do have a handicap parking sticker because of my uh, ability to move sure. around. Yeah. Um, had like four handicap parking spaces right at the front door. I mean, at the door. Uh, not I had to walk across the driveway to get to it, but at the door. Um, so I got parked. I sat there for a little bit. I, I got 
trying to find my news story. What door you come in? You know, just to see. Yeah. Um, and it was door number 12. There are 12, at least 12 doors on that building. Uh, so anyway, went inside, right inside. One side is um, the cafeteria. And then the other side would be like the back entrance into the gymnasium. So we went into the cafeteria and um, totally way different uh, than, you know, what it was in the old junior high when I was there. Um, they have a stage area there too that they, they can use. Um, and the school board was there. And so I sat down, waited for everybody else to come in. I, I, I got there early. I mean, I left my house before 5.30 because I wanted to make sure I got a seat. Um, I, I, in my mind, this is a, an important thing. So I was anticipating two to 300 people to show up. Um, and in reality, about 100 people showed up. So, I mean, they had a nice turnout, but... That's still a lot of people. When you talk about the impact of 150 to 350 students, uh, you know, I really thought... And a lot of times, you know, mom and dad both come together, not just mom or not just dad. And they actually had the gymnasium area open, so if you brought kids... They could go over to the gym and hang out in there if they didn't want to sit in the meeting, which was very nice. But uh, so uh, they opened up the meeting and uh, the superintendent, I didn't bring my notes with me. I just brought the stuff from Jerry. But the superintendent uh, talked a little bit about why uh, we're doing this redistricting. And we talked about it when he was here on the show earlier this month with us. But part of this is that we have students, and this is to me the biggest part, but we have students some students on the bus for an hour and a half yeah. going to school or getting off of the bus after the school because of the change of the busing from when we used to all the buses went out to the outlying areas drove in to the high school we stopped at the high school everybody switched buses and then they went back out to their various schools now they don't do that because of COVID. Things change. And so we have buses that, you know, go out to their area. And then instead of bringing everybody together at the high school, they drop off at every school. So they have to make the rounds to get to every school. Um, so, which, so I mean, like they have to go to the elementary school for their district. But not all the kids in their busing area may go to that same elementary school. So they might have to go to a second elementary school. Then they have to go to uh, the Lincoln Junior High, or they go to Riverside Intermediate School and drop right. off kids. Then they go to Lincoln Junior High and have to drop off kids that they've brought in from their district. And then possibly even stop at the high school and drop kids off. So it made the bus routes longer. At, we have 29 bus routes right now. And it made them longer because they have to go to all these different schools now. So um, that was interesting. I will tell you, the first question that popped up at the meeting last night was, "How? what is the impact going to be on bus drivers if we're going to make you go to your neighborhood school? obviously they're not going to have to be driving to these other elementary schools and dropping off students. So their route is going to be shorter. So they're going to have less hours. So that's going to be a cut and pay for them. And the bus drivers don't want to cut and pay. Well, no. So that 
was something I had not even thought about. Right. But anyway, so they, you know, everybody's been waiting so to see what, what the proposals are going to be. Um, and Jerry uh, McKibben, who his company is from Rock Hill, South Carolina, although he was raised in Indiana. Yeah. So he and he did a redistricting project in in the, in Plymouth uh, ten to twelve years ago. So he's familiar with this corporation. He did our last redistricting, um, and so he got up and and this is what people wanted to see. So the first thing he showed was the current boundaries, and basically, while we have four schools, the map kind of looks like it's divided into thirds yeah with an intersection which would be a, a neighborhood section that was washington uh, discovery academy yeah and that was your project-based learning school right um and that was a magnet school so why they made that so small was because students were coming from all of the yeah. outlying districts into that school so right. they didn't want to make that district too big um, and so they showed what our last uh, redistricting did. And, you know, and that's where he said, you know, you're going to ask, well, who do that crazy looking map? And he said, I did. But then he explained because of the magnet school in there, they couldn't have that be very large because so many other students. And it, it was, remember? I mean, yeah. there was actually talk of having to do like a lottery because everybody wanted to get into this new project-based learning and so um that is one thing that came up in the meeting last night i did not realize but washington discovery academy attendance has been going down from there that students and parents are pulling their kids out of project-based learning and putting them in a different school actually uh, ryan carroll who we know quite well yeah uh, he graduated high school with my son dan i've watched ryan uh, you know grow up uh, when austin dan was in, and katie were in sports no i guess when dan when austin was in sports yeah. uh, ryan was the trainer trainer at the yeah. high school so i got to know him really well there because we, austin had a couple of things that we had to use the trainer for um so and, and he he used to be a regular listener of the show um because his day started later in the day right. because uh being at the school right. um so he got up uh, and and talked a little bit and said you know this is what happened to their family he lived in the washington district with right. his family yeah. and when they changed it to project-based learning he didn't want his kids going to that. He wanted traditional school. Right. So they opted to go to Menominee. So his kids have been in Menominee. And then they moved, and they were basically grandfathered in at Menominee. They already had sure. had kids there. So when they moved, we'll just keep your kids there. Um, and, th and so that's what happened. A lot of those people who lived in the Washington district didn't want their kids to go to that type of school. They wanted the traditional learning. So we let them go other places. Right. And uh, so that's how we got so kind of messed up with this. And so um, that, Rusty, this 
was the current boundary is the current boundaries now if you it's hard to see but if you look at this close up in the city part of things there is one section and I actually found out where this was this is north of the US 30 overpass on Michigan Road right. and that is where the trailer park is up there on the west okay, side of the yeah, road right there yeah. they bust all those kids down to Webster School because the primarily Hispanics were living in there and if they had put them in the right district they would have been in Jefferson and that was too many Hispanic kids in that school so they moved them down to Webster School so all those kids further up north were going clear down to Webster School so because they try is that the new one you this said? is the no this That's is the, the, old the close up of the okay. old one right. yeah you could hardly see it on the big map but on the little map you could see this right. green spot up there and it's like why is that green spot up there for webster school when it should have been jefferson but that was because of trying to balance out the hispanic yeah. population and we've talked about that i will tell you i was very impressed there was i didn't count but there was a nice contingency of Hispanic families there and Norma Rodriguez was there uh, basically to help them understand right. some of them had problems with English so to help them understand uh, what was being said and what was going on and she spoke a couple of times at the meeting last night so next up they gave they put up the map for proposal number one and proposal number one basically does put our school um into four districts now they're not balanced um they don't look balanced on the map uh, because where menominee elementary school is it looks like half of the county is at menominee or half right. of the city is at menominee um and washington discovery academy is the smallest one but it's in a very um neighborhood area right. so it, it's got a lot of population there where menominee their people are spread out more right. um so they put up the first map and i won't tell you who i sat with but the table i sat with they actually live in tall oaks and their children go to menominee mm -hmm. and with the new proposal their children would go to washington discovery academy and they don't want their kids to go to washington they want their kids to go to menominee right they've been in menominee um, and they want to continue to have their kids in Menominee. So um, it was, it, you know, the second option, which I think where I, at the table I was sitting at, these were Menominee families. Um, it, it's, it's four, but it is really seems unbalanced to me when you look at the map. But it's not unbalanced when you actually look at the population right. that they have. And yeah. that's the one thing uh, Jerry did talk, and he specifically talked about Menominee, is that with Menominee, that is a growing area uh, with housing. Right. And so they, it's a bigger area, and they have some space to grow in that school. Um, but... 
the family I sat with liked that plan because their kids who live in Tall Eggs would go to Menominee and they wouldn't right. have to change schools. But believe it or not, with the the option two, this is about 350 students who have to change schools. And with option one, it's only about 150. So, you know, it is really hard to figure out what's the best option for folks well there's not a perfect one is the first thing you got to come to the conclusion uh, true. Of is that there's not going to be a perfect solution to this um somebody's not going to get what they want and i i don't know i haven't seen any of it but it seems to me the least or the less damage you do as in disruption uh, that's probably the plan you got to go with, just because then you're not you're upsetting 150 apple carts, not 300 <laughs> of them. So I think the interesting thing, though, when you look at the four elementary schools, that there are a total of 581 students who live outside of the boundaries where they should be going to school. Almost six hundred kids. Well, that'd be a class. That'd be two classes. Two is the way they grade periods yeah. live in a different school district area and are going to the wrong school, basically. Yeah. Well. At Jefferson, there are two hundred and forty-eight that live outside but come in but go to Jefferson. Now, isn't that because that has some special services? No, wait a minute. I'm backwards. Wait a minute. Mm, well, they're all high, let me tell you. Right. Okay. Live, okay, this is live out and attend. So there are 248 that live outside of the Jefferson District but go to school there. At Menominee, there are 353. At Washington, there are 153. And at Webster, there are 277. Now, for those who live in Jefferson's school district, but go outside, there are 122 that live in that district, but go somewhere else. There are 156 at Menominee, there are 84 at Washington, and there are 96 at Webster. So it's going both ways. You live in this district, but you want to go over there. You live outside, but you want to come into that one. You want, There's so much crossing that never happened back in the day when we were there. I mean, yeah. there, there was no choice. This You lived in this neighborhood, and this is the one you go to. Well, you were close enough to walk to school. Most of them. And they talked the about trying to get back to some more walkability. And I know with option two, um, it does make... Uh, walkability much easier especially for Washington uh, it does but it makes walkability a lot more now when you get we obviously we all know when you get further out and like Menominee is not real walkable I guess it is to a degree because you can walk down Oak Hill there's a sidewalk there and then you have that residential area up there I'm not sure about my child crossing Oak Hill Avenue, um, because there are houses on that north side of Oak Hill. Right. Um, I guess if I was a parent, I'd probably walk down to the block and make sure my kid got across the street before they walked on down to the school. But 
Um, and Webster, though, is pretty much... I mean, I walked, and I I, yeah. I didn't go quite to where Webster is now. I went to the old Webster, but I walked from Lincoln Way East. You walked from Pennsylvania Avenue. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. It, it, I, the thing I have to tell you that I was most shocked about was that when people would ask a question like a teacher asked a question I teach at this school but my we live in this district so right now I take my child to school with me and they go to the school where I teach right not where they should be well and Ryan is one of those his wife works in the school no he there's there's is different um, but you know what will happen to that? Will my child have to go to that school? Or can, since I am a teacher, I mean, that is an extenuating circumstance. Yeah. Since I am a teacher, will my child be able to go to the school where I'm teaching? And they didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And, well, you know, all of my kids have gone through Jefferson School, we'll just say. And my last one is going to be in fourth grade next year. Can't they just stay for this last year in that school? We don't know. We've talked about grandfathering, but we don't know. Right. I mean, there, there were no answers at all. It's still very much up in the air. I guess it's still in new and fresh. But the whole idea is to get this all taken care of so when the next school year starts in August that these kids are all going to be moved around and go, you know, going to the school that is supposed to be where they're living. Right. And, and how are they going to handle extenuating circumstances? They're not sure about that yet. Got a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Yes. What I'm hearing on the radio and what I'm hearing over the phone is not the same subject. I mean, it's not the same words. <laughs> anyway, if they still have school choice... We don't have school to... choice. This, so, this would not give you school choice. Okay, they take that away. Yes. But is, is that basically why now, if you go morning and evening, there's all these cars because these are kids that are not in that same school district? Uh, bringing... No, because, our, I mean, uh, part of that could be, but it doesn't have to be. The family I sat with, um, that, that mom told me, she goes, I drive my kids to school every day. They don't take the bus. They they live far enough away in a, in a district. They live in Tall Oaks. They go to Menominee, so they would ride a bus. They couldn't walk there, but but so they qualify for a bus. But she takes them. So well, I think that's why we have such a such a amount of cars lined up at all the schools because they are taking them. I I think. A lot of families have spoiled their children, and they don't make them ride the bus. Is basically what it comes down to. Is oh, I don't want I don't want to have to get up earlier for them to get on the bus, maybe or something like that. So I I don't make my child ride the bus. I I'm home. I can take them, and then I can go to my job. So why right. why no? I'll just take them. Um, well, I didn't realize, though, they're taking away school choice, but I thought part of that meant you could go to school in uh, Walkerton. You, you can. Th we have that. Yeah. We that have school choice. 
transferring of students, but Correct. we do not, they are trying to get away from school choice in our district. So with four okay. elementary schools, if you live on this street, this is a school you should be going to. Right. And right yeah, now, you that. don't. I can remember it used to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, have a good day. Thanks. Bye. Uh-huh. Um, so, and then, of course, you know, we have transfer students. Um, and that's the one thing I would say with transfer students is, if you're transferring in from outside, obviously they don't bust those people in, so that those parents have to uh, drive those kids in. But um, that should not be a school of choice. I mean, if you're coming, you want to come to Plymouth Community School Corporations, okay, we look at the balance of where our kids are, and we really need more kids in this school, so this is where you're going to go. I mean... It, they shouldn't be able to come in and say, I want to go to this school or I want to be in that elementary school. It's like, oh, if you want to go to the Plymouth School Corps, because they're really trying to make all of our schools equal and balanced. So um, project-based learning, that part is going away at Washington. And what they are working, they're in the first year right now of making of getting all four elementary schools STEM certified, which is science, tech, science, engineering, technology, and math. And so they want to make all four of our elementary schools STEM certified schools. So that is one of the changes that is happening with this also. Not just too, many, too, too long of having kids on the bus, but also that we're offering the same thing in all of the schools now. Right. We're not going to have a magnet school that makes everybody want to go to that school. Right. So um, that was another one of the things, uh, reasons why they've looked at making redistricting and why they picked to do it now. Now, I will tell you, after the meeting, there was some discussion. And, you know, some of them said, why can't we start with this school year? And and start at this point okay from now on you go here but if your kids have been in this school you can finish out there and then if you have new kids coming in so it could make a family actually have a kid in two different elementary schools so let's just say you've got a let's just say you've got a second grader in Washington school and you have a kindergarten student next year but you should be going to Jefferson School. Well, your Washington School student could stay in Washington, but your new kid is going to have to go to Jefferson School. Yeah. So that would give you, you know, they would like, parents that I, I heard talk would like to see it phased in so that it, it was not a clean break and a change, but phased in. But, but they're really working to try and make each school balanced right so that we have the same number same enrollments i, I guess at uh, menominee right now they have three third grade, grade classes well if we're going to try and balance that out you know it used to be <laughs> used to, gosh well, i guess we had two but we had morning and afternoon so we In had kindergarten? Two class, yes yeah but you only had one teacher but it was right. a morning and an afternoon yeah. so we had two we'll say uh, you know so you get back to having two in every school or whatever. Sure. Um, and another reason they're doing this is because 
the school corporation this year is expanding. They have preschool at Jefferson. And I believe, gosh, I didn't bring my notes with me, and I should have. But I believe they are expanding preschool to Webster, too. Um, and with the plan to have preschool in all four elementary schools in the next few years. So that takes more classroom space. Um, and they, they are looking at the possibility of actually having daycare at each of the elementary schools, too. Um, part of that is for the, you know, because teachers can are having trouble finding daycare Absolutely. for their kids. So it would make it much easier if there was a daycare center there for your teacher to, and it helps keep teachers, you know, in the school district. So that was another reason, um, because they want to expand preschool. And, and uh, Mitch... Uh, the superintendent talked about preschool and the benefit it has of getting kids in preschool in the school corporation in the building because then that transition from preschool to kindergarten is so much easier and goes so much smoother and we have students then entering kindergarten that are ready to go yeah um right now you know i don't know what the split is i'm going to guess that it's not even 50 50 it might be 50 50 you know that they have preschool training and they're ready to go to kindergarten and they don't have preschool training and they don't go to kindergarten so they or they don't know what is expected when they get to kindergarten so they're behind so um it was interesting i will tell you that norma rodriguez did talk about or bring up um and, and told the school board that um, because a lot of our Hispanic population actually lives within the city limits, that they qualify for walking to school. And she said, so busing the Hispanic population isn't an issue. But she also said that many times when the weather is bad, that's when you see absences from the Hispanic population because they don't want the walk, they don't want their kids to walk in the rain or the snow or the ice or whatever. Right. So, um, and she said, you know, a lot of a lot of the Hispanic population doesn't drive. So, and I I said to the person sitting next to me, they drive, they just don't have licenses. But it's an opinion show, and that's my opinion. There you go. I look at the bookings, I see a lot of this happening. But it was really interesting. Nobody really got any great information. Um, we don't know for sure. I, I, I am 90% sure this is going to go through. But, you know, when they asked, you know, he didn't, you know, the superintendent said he didn't know for sure when it would, you know, if it would go through, when it would go through. If it, if it does go through, we would like to have it start for the next school year you know so it's like okay um that's you know. moving pretty fast it, it is um definitely um but they have done their homework they have you know looked at uh trends of where new housing is coming in they 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 have taken into consideration centennial crossings up there um you know that's an, another Thing where housing is being built is something they have to look at. Um, they have to look at where the younger generation is that are having 
children and, and you know, going to be using the school system. So, I, I don't know. I, it was a good meeting, but it didn't really give any answers, except for the maps. And putting the maps out, I, I hope at least gave a few people, well, I can't say it gave them any assurance because there's two maps. And right. on some families, it's going to definitely impact them negatively. And on other families, the other one's going to impact them negatively. You're not going to be able to make everybody happy. Absolutely not. So. Um, no chance of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just talking about it is making some people happy and others angry. So, yeah. Actually doing something, there's no question. You're not going to make everybody happy. <laughs> You're right. You're, You're getting an inkling make... of that already. Uh, so. Definitely. Yeah. And And so, I guess, you know, the whole idea is, like, I would think the sooner we can make a decision, the better off we are so that we can start preparing. You're, you're talking about youngsters. Um, I can remember I was traumatized from that move from Washington Ele or Webster Elementary School to Lincoln Junior High. I can remember that night, uh, went to bed. I could not sleep. Um, I, I, I was just so worried, so nervous, so concerned you know a locker and switching to all these different classes am i going to get lost and of course i mean you're bringing four elementary schools together all these new kids you know am i going to have a class with somebody i know am i going to be in a room full of strangers so it, it was very traumatizing for me from elementary school to junior high but we're talking you know in elementary school to elementary school right Oh, guess what? There's my alarm, Rusty. Yep. It's telling me it's time to shut up. Yeah, well. I, so that you can go do your thing. I guess. So, <laughs> do we have a break to take? Yeah, we do. We All can right. take a break. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up the show this morning. Break taken. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739. Or visit us online at apexwaste.net. Cash in when you sign up for Surf Internet during their online-only President's Day sale, February 16th through the 20th. Get fiber-fast internet plus free installation. And for a limited time, you'll get up to a $100 Visa reward card with qualified speed packages. This deal is only available through the 20th when you sign up at surfinternet.com. Go online now to claim your reward. This is a limited-time offer available only on 500 meg and 1 gig. Reward card value based on speed package selected. Some restrictions apply. The Co-Alliance commitment to deliver on the best propane service available is unwavering. Their established local quality service is unmatched. Co-Alliance is owned by local farmers, and they deliver on the principles of hard work, dependability, and trust. It's not by chance that they've been around for nearly 100 years. It's because of their commitment to the customer. 
earn 500 free gallons now when you join the others that have made the change to Co-Alliance Propane. Call 317-324-4457 or visit coalliance.com to learn more. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Indiana 811. It's never over to the listener gives his view here on what's your opinion on It's WTCA never over to the listener gives his call view now. here on what's your opinion on WTCA in Plymouth. Call now 574-936-4096 or tell us what you think or text. 574-307-6647. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. trying to wake you up before you go-go today and we're actually gonna go-go today early. Rusty's taken off, left me in charge, which is really scary because I don't normally work this side of the table, but I'm here um, and it is time for us to do birthdays. And we have a birthday today. I want to wish Cole Mann a very happy birthday today. He's celebrating his birthday. His name goes in the hat. And tomorrow we will be drawing uh, a winner for the week who wins a small drink of their choice from the Coffee Lodge. They win a bouquet of flowers from Cashin Creek Florist. And they win four cupcakes from La Dessert Cafe. So stay tuned tomorrow. Let's find out who our winner is. Next up. It's anniversaries sponsored by the Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home right here in Plymouth. And I have no anniversaries today. Uh, if we did have some anniversaries, we would announce those. They, too, go in a hat. And then on for on the last day of the month, which will be next Tuesday. No, it'll be farther along than that. It'll be, we're about halfway through the month. So we got, it's Tuesday the 28th. That's the day we'll draw a winner. And the Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home gives those winners a $50 Cold hard cash so they can go out and celebrate, ha have their anniversary celebration again. Next up, it's time for, why can't I hear anything? I don't know what I did wrong. 
of Restaurant Bash. You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050 WTCA Plymouth. Okay, here we go. Let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. You that music means it's time now for the WTCA Trading Post where you can buy, sell, trade, or give away up to four items for four days for absolutely free. First thing in today's Trading Post, we have somebody looking for a small apartment in Plymouth. If you've got a small apartment in Plymouth, the number to call to help this guy out is 574 540 1919. If you know where there's a small apartment or a sleeping room, you can help him out. Uh, also, in the trading post, we're going to announce the Marshall County Recycle Depot is doing a food drive this month. They are collecting food for the Marshall County Neighborhood Center. There are only three things they're looking for they are collecting hamburger helper, they are collecting pasta. And they're collecting spaghetti sauce. So if you would like to help the Recycle Depot give to the Neighborhood Center, you can drop off your donations out at the Recycle Depot when you're dropping off your recycling items, and they will get that to the Neighborhood Center. And then WTCA is a drop-off for the Bread of Life Food Pantry. Uh, Due to limited storage space, There are just particular items that they need right now for their homeless program. So they would like new or good used crockpots, George Foreman's, toaster ovens, manual handheld can openers, washcloths and bath towels, and regular blankets. Not a big comforter, but just a regular blanket bed blanket it can be a twin a full or a queen that part doesn't matter but a regular blanket Um, monetary cash donations uh, are also uh, good for them and they ask that you mark on that donation that you want it for the homeless program because then they will buy uh, items that are individually needed for somebody who is home homeless You can drop off your donations here at the WTCA studios Monday through Friday from 830 to 430. You can also drop them off at the Bread of Life Food Pantry on North Michigan Road on Mondays. And let's see, on Mondays from 3 until 7 and on Wednesdays and Fridays from 11 until 3. So you can help out. Here's your opportunity this this month to help out both of our food pantries here in town. All right, guys. Um, Rusty's off to go do his thing. I'm going to go back and do my thing, which is working on news for all of you. I hope you all have a great day. uh, And we'll be back tomorrow morning with another version of the What's Your Opinion show. You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050. WTCA Plymouth.
friends. 